You just think we just, you know, whatever happens, we just shit another player. I, and everything's going to be perfect. All of our fans think that. You all think that. That's what you write about. Unacceptable in all areas. Unacceptable coaching, unacceptable playing, unacceptable effort. Not what we're about. You don't want to be here. There's a specific reason. Not really, you know, I, I think we did a poor job recruiting if guys are coming in and immediately walking out the door because it was something different than what they thought it would be. We lied to them during recruiting or we, we sold them on a dream that wasn't true. Certainly, like I said, coach our kids to, to do the right thing. And, uh, you know, play with poise, play with confidence, play with dignity, play with class. At the same time, we're not going to take anyone's shit either. We want to be a big, fast, dominating, aggressive, relentless football team that nobody in the SEC wants to play. Now, that's also a second in the West, baby. Yes, sir. Hey, hey, I don't like getting it. It's the only time we're ever getting excited about second. From now on, it's first, okay? All I want to do is fucking eat. I want you to eat. I want you to eat. I want you to want this shit. Welcome in to the latest episode of That SEC Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Bratton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter, and I'm joined as always by my cousin Shane, who goes by Big Orange Vols on Twitter. What are you up to, you big Tennessee homer? Hey, buddy, how the hell are you? <laughs> hey, I'm doing good, Shane. Florida Twitter's Man, they're mad at me once again for something stupid I tweeted out. But besides that, doing great. <laughs> What'd you do? They didn't even play this week. <laughs> I know Shane having the best team in the SEC East does not spare me from the wrath of Gator Nation. All I said, and it was a joke, by the way, I said, I think Tennessee's got the best quarterback room in the in the SEC after JT Shroud threw that 50-yard <laughs> touchdown pass. And oh my God, you cannot <laughs> say anything about Dan Mullen, his quarterbacks. We all know he's the SEC's best quarterback coach. So uh, yeah, that was a joke. We all know Garantano. I mean, hell, we spent half the year talking about how terrible he is. Brian Maurer, <laughs> nothing special. JT Shroud completed a pass. He, they're not the best quarterbacks. Just a joke, folks. Just a joke. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez, I didn't even catch that. So they thought they thought you're saying the third string quarterback was. Even better than the ultimate Trask down there. Is that what you were saying? Have we not we've been, been, we've we've been we saying Trask been... is the best quarterback in the SEC East? <laughs> That's awesome. I love it. They hate you, man. They just absolutely hate you. That's all right, Shane. I love them. <laughs> all right, Shane, let's get into the action. we got a ton to cover here. Let's start with a big game in the SEC West from this weekend. LSU holds on for a 23-20 victory over the Auburn Tigers. And this one kind of went according to plan, I thought, Shane. I th- Remember, I said it would be a three-point game. It's about the only thing I got right this weekend. That's <laughs> another reason we're starting here. But uh, LSU with a three-point win, they're going to be undefeated heading into that big matchup at Alabama in two weeks. Of course, they're, LSU's on a bye next week. So we'll get, we got plenty of time to talk about that one. But what a great game we had down here in Baton Rouge this weekend. And it really was, for the most part, a defensive game. I mean, I know Joe Burrow had himself a day, had another 321 yards passing in this one, but only one touchdown, had a, an interception on the goal line. The main takeaway for me, Shane, on this one, Auburn, you know, I think we were talking before the pod, thoughts on this game. I think we're going to look back at this Auburn team kind of like we did Mississippi State last season, saying, you know, the Bulldogs – they may have had the best defense in the nation, and they lost how many games? I mean, I think that's kind of the thing. Where, I'm not trying to 
trash Auburn because I said this would be a close game. It was. They played their hearts out, particularly on defense, but unfortunately, Gus Malzahn on that offense. Bo Nix had another you know, poor passing day, 15 of 35 from 157. Uh, he had a touchdown and an interception. Of course, that interception, it was almost like a Hail Mary there right before the half, so uh, that wasn't a bad interception by any means, but I just think that Auburn, if I'm an Auburn fan, Shane, I'm kind of disappointed that uh, I don't want to say we're wasting this defense because they're still, I mean, they've only lost two games this year. They they mm-hmm. still they still got Georgia, still got Alabama. If they beat those teams, this could be a hell of a year, but uh, I think this is you know, borderline a college football playoff contender, and now, now those dreams are dashed. Yeah, I mean, we were talking about there was a there were several teams that were controlling their own destiny going into Saturday, and Auburn was one of them. You know, yeah, they've got a a tough schedule, but you know, they had plenty of opportunities to put this game away, and they just weren't able to do it. Man, LSU found a way to win. It was a ugly, golly, you talk about an ugly game, Mike. I mean, there was flashes of, of greatness, you know, with the Stingley interception or, mm-hmm. you know, uh, a Williams run or something like that. I mean, there was there was moments when this game was exciting, but then there was also moments when you're looking at it and it felt like there was a flag on the field about every play. Uh, this, this game, they had 20, I think tw- they said 27 penalties over 200 yards of mm-hmm. penalties i mean it was just it was a nasty dirty game and honestly both teams had good things but both the both teams honestly had more i think more bad things come out of this game and and lsu's really lucky to come away with the victory here and how about this shane after the game i heard old kurt herbstreet taking credit for calling clydesdale saying he's an oh. impact player for lsu I believe uh, one of us <laughs> called that in the preseason. <laughs> yes. Unfortunately, he's not in the Heisman race, even though he should be. Uh, Clydesdale was, I mean, he was the offense, man. I mean, he had over 100 yards rushing. He had over 50 yards receiving. He was just all over the place. He's just, he's a dynamic player that can do things. I mean, this is a kid that I definitely see playing on Sundays. I mean, he reminds you so much of of Darren Sproles. It's ridiculous, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Jamar Chase had himself a day two, eight catches, 123. I thought it was nice to see Terrence Marshall. This was his first game back. Uh, didn't have a big day, just two catches for 29 yards, but he did catch a touchdown. He's the only one to catch a touchdown from Joe Burrow. Mm-hmm. Um, did you – one thing that kind of um, bothered me, though, Shane – LSU's lack of execution in the red zone. Uh, I mean, they they did get down there four times. They scored five, but the the one time Auburn stuffed them on the goal line, got to get that fixed. That was the first time this season, Shane, where we saw LSU go into the red zone and not convert. That's an amazing stat eight games into the season. Uh, but uh, that's got to be something, a little bit of an area of concern because I thought uh, you know Auburn did a tremendous job keeping them out there for most of the day. I know this is probably the best defense that LSU is going to face this in the regular season. Of course, they still have uh, Alabama, Texas A&M, and them. But uh, I think this is going to be the best defense they face to the SEC championship game, possibly the college football playoff. Any concerns from you, Shane, where we saw last week against Mississippi State, you know, they had their lowest output of the season. Now they've uh, backed that up with even a lower, only 23 points in this one. 
any concern. I don't want to say LSU is getting exposed on offense because that's certainly not the case, but just maybe coming back down to earth. And, uh, I mean, if, if they were playing a team with uh, maybe a veteran quarterback, they might have lost this one. No, I, I don't think that's the case, Mark. I think, honestly, the fact of the matter is they've played two of the greatest defense in the nation. Um, you know what I'm saying? I, I don't think, you know, everybody wants to talk about this Alabama game, and we're going to talk about it, trust me. But I don't think Alabama has a better defense than Auburn University. I don't think I don't think they have a better defense than Florida. You know, I just think that LSU has been able to take some of these tough competitions, some tough defenses, and, and they still find a way to make their offense work. So um, I, I don't think it's anything to worry about. I think, honestly, when you play some of these other teams that they've got left on the schedule, I think it's going to, you know, I think it's something to look forward to. Well, let's jump over to Coach O'Shea, and I thought this was pretty interesting because obviously we all know about Auburn's defensive line. That was going to be a mismatch for LSU all day. I know LSU's offensive line has gotten a lot better, but they're still not quite up to the task of facing Auburn's defensive line. So Coach O talked about going tempo. That was part of the plan. Uh, on the toughness of Joe Burrow, he took some shots in this one. That one in particular right near the sideline, it was reminiscent of that shot he took last year against UCF. Of course, he popped right back up, and then we'll discuss it on the back end here. That was that was the plan. Uh, you know, tempo as much as we can. Not hurt us a couple of times. We had some penalties, and you know sometimes you think you can run the clock down a little bit. But it was a, it was the whole idea. But and they rotated their lines. I could tell when the second team line was in there, we were moving the football. I'll give credit to Coach uh, Coach Ensminger. Uh, it was a great game plan. Oh yeah. We, well, we felt the tempo would not. Uh, they wouldn't get lined up our tempo. It was giving us an advantage. You know those big. First rounds, you don't want their cleats in the grass, and they're just ready. And so we wanted to wear them out. So that was the game plan. Uh, you know, it did wear us a little bit, now, obviously, going forward on fourth and two, but we wanted to take a shot. We thought we can get it. And that's why we kicked the field goal the second time. The championship team have to win a game like this? You have to. No question. I think a lesser team would not have won that game tonight. They came to play, and, you know, adversity hit us. We weren't playing very well in the first half. And, you know, they got up ahead, but our guys kept on fighting. You should have seen this locker room that was calm in the locker room, that was confidence. Uh, we felt we were going to win the game. Joe felt he was going to win the game, and we did. All right, Shane. So I thought that was interesting. And, uh, you know, after the game, I don't know if you caught these comments from Marlon Davidson, Shane, but, uh, you know, he said, go back, watch the tape. You're going to see they were holding us on every single play. I thought that was pretty interesting. Uh, they may have gotten away with uh, a hold or two, but that's going to happen in any football game. But, uh, you know, Coach O, I think he really, for all the talk of LSU looking past this Auburn team, I, I don't think they did that at all. I just think that Auburn gave them everything they, they could handle. I mean, this was almost like a championship bout, and the better team came out on top in the end. All right, Shane, last thing here on Coach O, I just thought this was interesting. We don't talk a lot about the polls. I don't know about you, Shane, but uh, I don't really care about where these teams are ranked. Particularly, I mean, I care about in the college football playoff. I mean, that matters. But it's AP poll, coaches poll. I mean, it's, it's all a bunch of kind of bullshit until the end of the season anyway. But Coach Joe was asked about it. Should LSU be number one after this game? I just thought this was funny. Uh, let's jump over to Coach Joe. Man, I just know we ain't no <laughs> – we want a football game. That's out of our hands. You know, I don't look at that stuff. And, you know, the rank is – 
matter when it comes down for the playoff time. Uh, we got we got to do control what we can control. And just let it happen. All right, Shay. So <laughs> the next day, LSU was revealed to be the new number one team in the AP poll. Jumped Alabama. Alabama's number two now. Mm. Uh, the main reason I bring this up. I know this may sound stupid, but Nick Saban is just the master motivator. Alabama's going to be favored in this game because it's in Tuscaloosa, but LSU ranked number one in the AP poll. Could this actually backfire and you know just give some motivation to Alabama in two weeks? I don't know. You know, Nick's a, a master manipulator, so I'm sure he's already using it. Uh, he's probably got clippings hanging all over the place down there <laughs> talking about LSU as the is the dominant team. But fact of the matter is, you know, wait, have we even done? I don't even know what the spread is on this thing. What is the spread on this one? Uh, well, it's two weeks out, so there's no spread. Oh, okay. I, I still think Bama's going to be favored, don't you? Alabama? Yeah, certainly. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean – I don't. I don't know. I don't know how much you can use this as a as a motivating tool, but you know, I don't know. I, I think Saban, if anybody can, it's going to be him. You know, just putting down his team, making them feel like they're not the top dogs, and that they they've got a chip on their shoulders. So uh, here they went out and demolished Arkansas and dropped the spot. You know what I'm saying? And then mm-hmm. LSU, granted, top ten team, but still barely won and, and moved up to first. So I'm with you on these polls. I, it does. It does not matter. All that matters is uh, in the end who's in the playoffs, who's not. All right, Shane. So let's jump to the other side of this. Gus Malzahn asked about uh, his offense's poor performance relative, uh, you know, overall here. Not a good day for the Auburn Tigers on offense. He was even asked if uh, he's considering a change at quarterback. I don't think Bo Nix has been that bad, and uh, given the fact they don't really give Joey Gatewood much of a chance. I don't see them making that change, but it's pretty pretty bad that he's already been asked that uh, on the performance of his defense, which was outstanding, and then finally on uh, where his team goes from here. Yeah, it was a huge problem. I mean, that third down and 10 plus, I think we had nine of them. Uh, you're not going to convert very many. Um, and like I said, there were some false starts, uh, real disappointed. Um, you know, with that, we had the same thing in the Florida game, and uh, we had the same thing. I don't know if it was four false starts in the first half or something, but you get behind the chains against a good team on the road, you can't do that. But obviously, um, you know, we talked about that. I thought we were going to do better. We didn't. And uh, like I said, I'm running this offense, and that's on me, and we got to do a better job. And um, we've got to do a better job moving forward. I mean, it was loud and all that, but it doesn't matter. Any consideration of changing the quarterback? No, no, we, uh, we, we, we're going to go with him. And like I said, we didn't help him. I mean, the third, the nine, third down and 10 plus, we didn't help him. Um, you know, uh, he had a tough day, but at the same time, we didn't, we didn't help him uh, with a lot of different things as far as putting us behind the sticks. No, our defense played unbelievable. Um, you know, Kevin had a super plan. He mixed some things up, um, you know, made the quarterback uncomfortable early, you know, and then they started running the football and the turnovers were big. You know, the fourth down stops, it was two fourth down stops that were huge. We had the turnover in the end zone uh, was really unbelievable. They fought their guts out and they played outstanding. That offense is electric. Um, it's a really good, really good offense. And that was a schedule presented to us and uh, we knew that going in. 
our team knew that. Um, you know, we knew the road games, you know, three, three road games uh, against top 10, 11 opponents. It's just part of it. So we never, we're not making excuses. Uh, we looked at it as an opportunity, and that's the way we're continuing to look at it. And, uh, you know, we're playing the, the best schedule in college football, and you got to play good. You got to play, we got to play better than we did today to win. We had opportunities, and I said, didn't play our best offensively. I think everybody saw that and still had a chance. The one side kick, it was really close, and I thought we had it at one point, and then they bounced on it and all that. But we're, we're we got a good football team. And we'll finish this thing, um, and uh, we'll we'll move on to next week. I know you've been <laughs> uh, you were leading the Gus bus into the ditch all off season. <laughs> Certainly not suggesting Gus Malzahn should be back on the hot seat after you know losing to the new number one team by three points on the road. I certainly don't think that's the case, but I think Gus Malzahn does have some questions to answer here, given the fact that LSU's defense is not really been that outstanding this season and here we are two biggest games of the season for Auburn to date and the offense has done little to nothing and is such a big deal made about Gus Malzahn taking over the offense this offseason I mean does he I mean does he need to look himself in the mirror he's got to change something I would think because these results are not going to cut it against Georgia and Alabama yeah, I don't. I don't think we could put them on the hot seat just yet. You know, as much as I, I did in the off season. The, Gus is really. I mean, Auburn. This Auburn team has really surprised me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm sure they'd love to have the Florida game back. You know, they definitely love to have this one back. There was, like I said, there was some plays that I think came down to coaching. I, you know, I'm not again trying to get on Gus, but. I think there was some some bad calls out there, and he'd love to have called it a different way. And who knows, we may have a different outcome. But you know, the old saying, Mike, if if some butts were candies and nuts, we'd all have a wonderful Christmas. So you know, we that's I think that's what we're dealing with here. Uh, Coach came out, you know, he he, he talked about you know we're still going to be champions, whatever that meant. But uh, you know, he's still going to get this team pumped up. They still got some excellent ball clubs on their roster. I mean, Alabama is right, is right around the corner. I mean, you want to, you want to shut some naysayers up. You still need some, I mean, there's still an outside chance that these guys could make a, a, a playoff spot, you know, but it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's pretty tough right now. Yeah. I mean, it just seems to be Auburn's luck, Shane. I mean, they, we all know all off season, we talked about it. They get Georgia and Alabama at home. Mm-hmm. And then here it turns out Florida and LSU may be better, and they got to travel to those two. It's like, <laughs> yeah. oh my god, that sucks, don't it? But I, I you can't feel bad. Are Auburn, Auburn fans really that mad right now? No, I don't think they're mad. But uh, once again, I just think that uh, I think they're going to look back at this one and be kind of upset that. Uh, oh, I'm this, sure. This, yeah, this great defense is just. I don't know, not leading them to more. Now, like I said, if they beat Georgia, they beat Alabama, it's going to be a hell of a year for Auburn. Uh, yeah. but, but this offense has got to got to do their part. Otherwise, that's not going to happen. For sure. All right, Shane, I know you've been, you've been holding <laughs> your tongue here. we got to get to it. <laughs> Tennessee. Vander, Vanderbilt. No, I'm just <laughs> Never beaten Will Muschamp, Shane, until Saturday. And the Volunteers do it with uh, one hell of a second half. Tennessee wins 41-21. to 21. Neither you or I saw this coming. 
Your boy Shane Jarrett Garantano led the way. What uh, what a redemption story for him. Of course, uh, you know we say that, but uh, I think the real hero of this one was Juwan Jennings. I mean that guy was a damn animal. And uh, I, you know the biggest thing. I'm sure you want to you know talk a lot about this. Let me just get this thought out of the way. The my main takeaway from this game, Shane. Tennessee, once again, faced with adversity on so many levels. How many times in years past, you're playing a game. We all knew this is how important this was. Not saying Tennessee's going to go to a bowl game now, but this was the biggest hurdle that that appeared to be in front of them to make in the postseason. Uh, you know, they were begging fans to come out. It's a big recruiting weekend. South Carolina's a very dangerous team. Uh, Tennessee's got to show up. And what happens? South Carolina scores a 75-yard touchdown on the first damn play of the game. <laughs> How many times in, in years past with Tennessee, you know, this happens and you're like, oh, God, the wheels are coming off. Uh, Twitter's firing. But, you know, let's get let's get Jeremy Pruitt out of here. Uh, then next thing you know, Garantano gets hurt. They got to play this shroud. Uh, I mean, so many things could have went wrong. The refs were, I mean, that God, they were calling a terrible game there at the beginning. But it didn't matter, no. Shane, because his defense played their hearts out. And like I said, Tennessee just, they outscored South Carolina 24-0 to in the second half. And by the end of the game, it wasn't even close. No. Well, Mike, I, I tell you, first off, I was I was I was beside myself when when they opened up and you know Smith's going Shy's going down for you know the seventy five yard touchdown whatever start the thing I was like holy shit here we go <laughs> you know I, I I mean I was just like you know I was defeated because I kind of and a lot of people did I'm sure up here we're already you know we had that gut feeling that Garantano was going to come out and ruin this thing anyway you know <clears throat> so when it started. Uh, it was a rough, rough, rowdy start, but I don't know. It just felt like South Carolina had opportunities, man. Dude, did they have some opportunities to get that momentum, just to take this crowd noise out. And they just kind of let them hang around all the first half. And then in the second half, it, they couldn't get anything going. I don't know if Helensky is hurt or what, but there was plenty of opportunities to – I mean – Everybody's talking about Juwan Jennings and, and Marquez Callaway, but, you know, honestly, do you think those are the two best receivers on that field Saturday? Yeah, I don't know. That's, I, don't. I mean, I think, that, I, I, don't. I think they played I, the best, certainly, but, yeah, yeah Brian Edwards, Shy Smith, I mean, South those Carolina guys, South Carolina can match them, but uh, not, but not it, on Saturday. It just felt like Helensky just couldn't find them or something, you know? I mean, and, and when they did – when they did have a, a perfect connection, you know, the, there they were typically wide open, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, Edwards made that amazing catch against the sideline. But I don't know. It's just for for a team that threw 51 times during this ball game, it just felt to me like Ryan Helensky just could not get it going, man. They, they abandoned the running game way too soon. Now, this is just me as a neutral party. Me as a Tennessee fan was – I mean, I was excited because everything that we we had Garantano throwing for over 200 yards, we had the running game going to an extent. Uh, Jawan Jennings was an absolute dog, and 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 but then you got to say, okay, you know, 15 or one's going to get the ball. 
but you can't stop it. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. and, I mean, these guys, uh, uh, something that coach talks about here in a second is, uh, you know, we were playing max protect and we were let, literally letting two or three receivers just run around to get open. And we were able to do it. And this defense, when called upon, it's the first time we've had Batuli and, uh, 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 Henry Totoa, shit, I can't say his name. Henry uh, T. Yeah, big, big T. Ever, you know, we had them together. Those guys were, I mean, Batuli just tore it up. I mean, he was a one-man machine back there. And you could even throw Nigel Warrior in there. And that just kind of surprises me because – when you start, when we started this season, I was really worried about the defense. But I'm telling you, man, this defense—they came in, they came hard at these guys in the second half. They were able to shut South Carolina down. Yeah, you mentioned Daniel Petuli. He set a career high 15 tackles, Shane. And uh, let's not forget, he scored a touchdown in this game because Tennessee, oh, yeah. Tennessee scored two touchdowns on special teams. That was a backbreaker for the game, guys. Particularly the Batuli one that came on a black, uh, on a blocked punt in the third quarter. Uh, Marquez Callaway scored on a punt return touchdown. Uh, those were key plays in this game. Tennessee not only dominated offense, defense, but special teams. And uh, this was one of the worst losses in Will Muschamp's SEC career. And you just, you just had to know Ryan Helinski. You know, we, we love uh, that kid and hit the promise he has, but going on the road, throwing the ball 51 times, that was just not a, a recipe for success for the Gamecocks in this one. Mm -hmm. And like you said, he, he was not even connected on just about half of those. So it was a rough day for South Carolina outside of that, basically that first play. And then they had some momentum there in the second quarter on back-to-back -back drives drove it the uh, touchdowns on two drives it looked like it was going to be one of those crazy South Carolina Tennessee games uh, but after that South Carolina can get nothing going mm -mm. got to give a lot of credit Shane to Jim Chaney he's making 1.5 million he's finally earning it yeah Garantano Shane uh, this was one of the better games he's ever played I mean he's uh, still a little bit behind on some of these deep balls but he no mistake Shane 11 of 19 229 two touchdowns and then in comes J.T. Shroud at key moments, 7 of 11, 122 and a touchdown, including a uh, just a 55-yard dime pressure yeah. in his face. Uh, I mean, we got to give uh, Slim Jim some credit here. I mean, he's he's earning his paycheck the last couple weeks, isn't he? <laughs> That's right, man. They were they were dialing him up, and, and this was such a physical game. I, I, I made a comment during this one. This is probably the most physical game I have seen all year. Both sides, man, they were they were selling out, and there was I mean there was some kids getting banged up here toward the end of the game, but I'm telling you they were giving everything they had. There's these boys are sore today, I, I guarantee you, but uh, they weren't going to leave anything on the on the field, man. This was something that uh, you know South Carolina Tennessee for several years now has come down between one possession, and that's what it felt like. This was going to be a little back and forth thing right there at the first half but you know South Carolina made no halftime adjustments 
Tennessee did. Mm-hmm. And and it just it felt like South Carolina just said, hey, what we're doing's working. We're just going to keep doing that. Well, Tennessee adjusted toward it, and, and Muschamp just didn't have an answer. And, and, if, and it kind of surprised me for as much as Holinsky was struggling that we didn't see Joyner in that little bit, you know, or, or just, I don't know, just there was just no creativity with the offense. And, uh, and with the defense, they were just – like I said, they they were guarding two guys, but they just couldn't guard them for some reason. I mean, I, some of those passes Juwan got, he's 15 yards by himself, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, anybody could have thrown that pass. Well, let's kick it over to Jeremy Pruitt, Shane, after the game, talking about his team and their ability to respond to adversity, something that I don't even think you could have said a month ago. I mean, for whatever reason, something's clicked with this team. They're finally taken to the coaching where the coaches are finally learned to unlock these guys' potential. I'm not sure which one. On Jawan Jennings, what he means to this team. And then on uh, Tennessee finally playing a complete game here. I feel like our players, they respond. Okay? Uh, we're to the point now that if we challenge them as coaches, they try to respond. Uh, and that's where you got to be. You know? That's why we have coach in front of our name. Uh, when And we have to be able to feel it, see it. All the things that it takes when it comes to reading people, body language, whatever it is, um, our players responded. Uh, you know, we won the fourth quarter, which was important. We won the second half. Um, you know, and and for the first time in a while, um, not in a while, we've been responding, but it showed even more this game in the second half as far as putting on more steam when things wasn't going our way. You know, so... Our guys responded, and they believe that, which is which is probably more important. Well, you said it, his passion. You know, Juwan has passion for the game. He has passion for his teammates. He has passion for the University of Tennessee. Uh, he shows it every single day. What you see on Saturdays is what we see on Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Uh, he's consistent in the way he prepares, the way he practices, and it shows up on Saturday. So, um you know, and I think sometimes that can be contagious. And you need guys like that, and Jawan has that way about him. Well, our guys every week we try to figure out as a staff, this isn't just about offense. This is about offense, defense, and special teams. How do we need to play in all three phases that gives us the best opportunity to win the game? That's the number one goes to win the game. Do we need to snap it 100 times? Do we need to snap it 40 times? You know, um, so I think our staff has done a really nice job uh, with what we have, um, with some of the injuries that we've had and, and being thin at certain positions to be able to, to, to practice in a way to where we can have success in, in a game. And I thought today was one of our better days as the game went offensively. We got a little more aggressive and the players made some plays. All right, Shane, it kind of hit me during the end of this game I know we've touched on this before, but you got to think back to when Jeremy Pruitt was hired. Do you know who was not even on Tennessee's roster at that time? Yeah, Juwan Jennings. Juwan Jennings. I mean, thanks to Jeremy <laughs> Pruitt and Philip Fulmer for welcoming that kid back after he had uh, just a, you know, a kid moment there where I'm sure he regrets it. He had an outburst on social media. He never... You know, it's not like he broke any crimes or anything. He just basically called out the previous <laughs> coaching staff, and for whatever reason, Brady Hope decided to kick him off the team. But, I mean, this is uh, 
I don't know, just just what a night and day difference. Uh, I mean, you go from someone that you have to kind of worry about, I guess, what are you going to say on social media, to I think it's quite clear that Juwan Jennings is the heart and soul of this Tennessee team. Remember, when they were getting you know, their ass kicked by Georgia State and losing to BYU, who was it? That was not given up, was the face. Still saying, you know, there's more to come. It was Jawan mm-hmm. Jennings. And now um, now we're starting to see it on the field. And, and he, it just seems like he's putting the team on his back right now. Absolutely. And, and it, you're starting to see it with other players. I don't know if you noticed, but after the game, there were several of them tweeting out, thanking the fans and, you know, just real humbling tweets. And it just kind of blows my mind. I don't know what kind of narrative – they've created in that locker room you know the the fans i don't think are anywhere near against tennessee they were upset about obviously garantano and and things like that but yeah these guys they're just they're you know just they're so thankful in the moment and um i'm telling you dude i've never seen fan support like this in my life it's 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 weird you know I've, i've never i mean you're gonna love your team you know but it just feels like the fans have grown up with these players as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, just the, the support that they're receiving, it was fantastic. We got a buddy, you know, Jay, he was at this game. He says he's never heard it. He hasn't heard it that loud at the stadium since the Oklahoma game. You know what I'm saying? So it's just, I don't know. It's We know we've been promised a new chapter in Tennessee football for so long, and it finally feels like it's here. Now let me ask you this, Shane, because I don't know if you were joking. I think you were, but <laughs> after this game, you called Tennessee the best three and five team in the nation, and that, and I don't know if you saw this comment I made, Shane. It was on uh, the ESPN Nashville station here Sunday morning, or excuse me, Saturday morning. I said if Tennessee continues to progress, and they show it on the field on Saturday, beat South Carolina. This team is running the table. I fully believe that. Now that they've done it, I, I'm sticking to that. I think Tennessee wins out the regular season. Am I crazy saying that? No, no, absolutely not. And I, I, I mean, pick a team. Pick a team that we play these next four games that that can beat us. Honestly, I didn't I, going into this one. I thought South Carolina was their toughest matchup. I thought Missouri was the second. Mm-hmm. But after what I saw Missouri do the last few weeks, I don't know, man. You know what I'm saying? I, I'm starting to question how great that team is. So I, who else they got? They got Missouri, UAB. That's a win. They got Kentucky Mm -hmm. and Vanderbilt. Can't forget about Vanderbilt. Oh, oh, Vanderbilt. So yeah, no, I could easily see us winning out. So, you know, we only got to do three more and then we're in a bowl game, but I, it'd be nice to have four, because remember people don't know what you did in October. They remember what you did in November and you can kind of create that momentum that buzz, which they already have on their, you've even seen it on the recruiting trail. So yeah, this is, this is a good time. Good time to be a Tennessee volunteer, man. Well, let's jump to the other side of this one. Shane, talk about some South Carolina, because I don't know where the Gamecocks go from here. Still remember, you know, you hit on it repeatedly there. This defensive backs could not cover Tennessee's just two receivers, basically. And this is the Mm -hmm. same defensive backfield that picked James, Jake Fromm off three times made, you know, Georgia's offense, I mean, just shut them down. If not for the overtime period, they were not, Jake Fromm not even scored a touchdown in that one. And that's 
Will Muschamp, Traveris Robertson, that's, you know, their specialty is coaching these defensive backs. They have got to figure this out. The secondary, man, this it's a huge issue right now for the Gamecocks. You, you also hit on, I mean, the offense, outside of a couple big plays there, particularly the 75-yard play there, I mean, the passing game was, they, they put up a lot of yards, but it doesn't mean much if uh, you're not getting it in your playmaker's hands not winning the game. Now South Carolina's in a tough spot, Shane. They've only got three wins, and uh, they've got some tough ones here. They may not make a bowl game the rest of the – you know, they, they're going to have to win three or four just to do that. And I don't know. Where does South Carolina go after this one? Are we? Is this going to be one of those seasons where we just look back and say, how in the hell did this team beat Georgia? Um, what, what's your thoughts on the Gamecocks after this one? You know, it's crazy because I honestly am starting to look at Georgia different. I, I know that's that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about South Carolina, but, you know, I, everybody questions that game now, you know. So, okay, so here's – this is – I'm watching the game. I'm like, this is the same team that beat Georgia. You know what I'm saying? So what is South Carolina good at? They got a, a fantastic defensive front. Mm-hmm. But, you know, does Georgia lack at wide receivers – did, did that become the issue? Because Tennessee, say what you want, you know, Callaway and Jennings are good, big-bodied receivers, mm-hmm. are great with the 50-50 balls. But, uh, you know, Georgia doesn't – you know, Georgia's been struggling in that department. Um, and then you look at a team like Notre Dame that gave Georgia a run for the money, get blown out this weekend. So, you know, I'm, I'm a little worried about the Bulldogs right now because I don't know how good they are. Um, I, I just thought South Carolina just upset this powerhouse team, but what if Georgia's not as good as we thought? Now, I, I know I'm, 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 you know. You took the off-ramp there. Maybe drifting there, off. Shane. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I just something I've been thinking about today because I I, I think that Georgia – right, let's go back to South Carolina. Yeah, they got to win. I they got to win three out of four, Shane. They get Vanderbilt at home next week. They get That's they possible. get Appalachian State at home, and keep in mind, That's I don't know how good Appalachian State is, but but they are ranked number twenty one. Shane, I think they're I think mm. they're undefeated. College Station, they got to travel to College Station face Texas A and M, then they get okay. two weeks to play Clemson. They got to win three out of four. Not saying they can't. I certainly think they can, but whew, I mean it's getting tight down there. Yeah, I mean this. Uh, honestly, I. Comes down to Texas A and M. I think they could beat Vandy, and I, I think Appalachian State. You know, I don't care what they're ranked. This is Appalachian State. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Rank them first for all I care. I think South Carolina could beat that team. I think they should beat that team. It, it you know, it's going to be tough though with the Aggies, and you know, they're South Carolina has to win, man. I mean, Clemson's a that's a whole that's a totally different monster. I don't care how many weeks you got to prepare, prepare for that mm-hmm. one. You know what I'm saying? You got to get your you got to get your work done before that game. So, what if South Carolina doesn't make a bowl, man? What do they do with Muschamp here? Do you think he's out? Do you think he's? No, I, I mean, don't, I don't think they know. would. But I mean, it's a tough spot to be in. You got to going this far into his tenure and then not making the bowl for the first time. That would be rough. Uh, I think they'd put it on this schedule. They'd put it on playing a true freshman. So it wouldn't be a complete disaster. I think that Georgia win certainly saves them. It's kind of kind of interesting what you, your thoughts there on Georgia. We'll see 
how they perform against Florida to, to really see uh, you know what that win is worth. Uh, but that's something that uh, Muschamp hit on here in his postgame presser, talking about the secondary, their struggles of the entire defense, and then uh, on where the Gamecocks go from here. Just we didn't cover 15-1. We really had a hard time matching up on those guys. We knew that going in the game. I mean, those guys, we had a, we've had a hard time matching up with those guys since they've been here. Uh, we've been able to fortunate to come out the pre three previous years and get the win. We just didn't today. Uh, but we had a hard time covering him, tackling 15 in space. He's a competitive guy. You've got to give those guys credit, but we didn't didn't cover very well uh, on those guys. Well, we've played zone, and they hit us in zone. We've played man, they hit us in man. Uh, we had a hard time getting pressure. Now, they did max the protection. They went six and seven man protection a good bit to try and uh, uh, slide protect. They weren't doing a lot of man protection, which was obvious, but uh, – you know, we just got to be able to cover better down the field. At the end of the day, you gotta, we had some 50-50 balls. We're in position to make a play on the ball. We got to make a play on the ball. Well, we got to get it fixed. That's the bottom line. And, and, and that we've got to go back and really just dial down on what our guys, you know, successfully can continue to execute in, in game situations, whether it's a critical third down, whether it's a critical, critical jump ball down the field where you're in a max pressure and you understand you got to stay on top of the receiver in those situations. Uh, obviously, we haven't done a good enough job of explaining that to our guys. And we had some situational football that we've executed much better at times, especially on the defensive side of the ball, and we didn't do that tonight. All right, Shane, I kind of hate to hear Will Muschamp all down and depressed like this because he never he <laughs> never gives us any of them snappy one-liners or anything when after they lose. Mm -hmm. He keeps all his, all his answers pretty brief here. But uh, <laughs> I don't know. I'm just kind of worried about South Carolina, and I'm not sure that they are going to make a bowl. They play like they did on Saturday. Uh, they're not going to one. No, no. Like I said, and, and it wasn't all the players, man. Like I said, it just felt like there was no serious halftime adjustments. There was no, there was no creativity with the offense. I, I, I still blows my mind that Joiner didn't come in there because Tennessee, uh, you know, t does have a, a tough time <laughs> in the past with mobile quarterbacks, and it could have been the little spark that South Carolina needed to get, especially you got zero points in the second half. What did you have to lose? So um, I, I think that they're going to have to get back to the drawing boards this week, and if Helensky's not healthy, then stop rolling him out there. You know what I'm saying? Just go with plan B. I know it's not what you want to do, but there's no need in having a banged-up quarterback back there because there's something – Something's off, man. I mean, he's he's not in day difference than the, uh, the Alabama game. All right, Shane, let's take a break from the podcast to let the listeners know that support for that SEC football podcast comes from Manscaped, who's number one in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision engineering tools for your family jewels. And we got an exclusive offer from Manscaped, the listeners of the podcast, to get 20% off and free shipping using the promo code SEC over at manscaped.com. That's 20% off free shipping over at manscaped.com. And I got to tell you, Shane, Manscaped sent me over the product. It's a high-class operation over there, Shane. I mean, they give you a leather-bound tote bag. I'm loving this bag. Uh, the razor's fantastic. They give you perfume. I got to be honest with you, Shane. My girlfriend sprayed this perfume. She wanted to sample this perfume, branded all over the house here. I'm going to tell you a funny story, Shane. I went to a wedding recently, thanks to the electric razor from Manscaped. I got two haircuts. The girlfriend's loving that one, Shane. So we're listening to the podcast. 20% off, free shipping over at manscaped.com using the promo code SEC 
Once again, that's the promo code SEC over at manscaped.com. Get 20% off free shipping. I really recommend this product. They've sent it over to me. It's a hell of a device here. Once again, that's promo code SEC over at manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping. Check it out. All right, Shane, let's kick it over to this game that uh, I thought was the biggest shocker of the weekend. Not because of the outcome necessarily, not for who won, but just the margin of victory here. Kentucky beat the piss out of Missouri 29-7. And keep in mind, Missouri was a 10, 10.5-point favorite, depending on where you looked, heading into this one. Man, the Wildcats dominated this one. And once again, Lim Bowden just went wild, Shane. I mean, he is making himself into an All-American before our eyes. I mean, he was already at that caliber at receiver. But my God, Shane, he's doing it at quarterback. Uh, (laughs) I just had a loss for words here on on just how embarrassing this is for Missouri. But uh, once again, let's give Mark Stoops, Eddie Grant, that offensive staff, a ton of credit they are figuring out ways to get wins when I think just about every other staff in the SEC, I don't want to say would have given up, but I just don't know if they would have had, a, had their team up for these games the way Mark Stoops and his troops have. Uh, how impressed were you with Kentucky's uh, grinding out win here? Dude, very impressed. And, and, and I it kind of ticked me off that there was not more buzz about this game online. You know what I'm saying? It's just, I, I, you'd see some fantastic play and, and then I'd go online and I'm, I'm looking at Twitter and it's like, nobody's talking about it. You know what I'm saying? It's just, this was a fantastic game, especially if you're a Kentucky fan. Now, if you're a Missouri fan, you hated this thing. You probably said, you know, here we go again. Uh, Missouri sucks on the road and they suck in the rain. Period. You know what I'm saying? I don't, you know, maybe that's just their kryptonite or whatever, but, you know, Kelly got banged up early. Mm-hmm. And, and I really do think that that changed a little bit of the game script because Kelly was not, he, he didn't want to run after that. Um, but the fact that, that Lynn was able to get 200 yards rushing blows my freaking mind. It's like, I can understand if this was the first week or the second week. But what what is this? The fourth week that he's been back there at quarterback, you know, just forget it. They do not have a quarterback playing your scheme like you're playing Georgia Tech or something. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You've got a you got a guy back there. It's a it's a running back, a quarterback basically. So it, it just kind of surprised me that he was able to get that that much production. Uh, but I, I'm not trying to take anything away from him because it was a tough, tough ball game. These guys played tough. That Kentucky line had push on Missouri all day long. I mean, it's like when Lynn did decide to run, it, he had like, like a four-yard head start because Missouri just had no que- – no, they had no help up front on defense. And uh, just a just a fantastic game. This is the one I – the games I like to play when I was in school, man, when it was just raining and it was just – it was – man, it was just – Old school football, man. Mm-hmm. I think we're starting to really see why Missouri wanted Kelly Bryant because, man, when he's off, I mean, this entire offense doesn't work. Uh, their only score of the game, I mean, it, Kelly Bryant gets credited for the touchdown, but really he had almost nothing to do with it. It was like a, a little one-yard dump off to Tyler Beatty and then 
Oh, that yeah, dude that took was all 74 <laughs> yards for a touchdown. He, he hit the turbos. It looked like everyone else was in sand, but that was the only thing Missouri had going. And, uh, you know, I really hate it for the Tigers because, uh, and I hate to bring this up, Shane, but I think with Kale Garrett getting lost for the season, I mean, it's just – it seems to have decimated their defense. They're without their defensive leader, their quarterback mm-hmm. on defense, if you will. I don't think Lynn Bowden would have went quite as wild with him back there at linebacker, but of course he's not there. So that's the difference where I guess the drop-off is just that big and got to credit Missouri's, excuse me, Kentucky's offensive front for just pounding that rock, keeping it going. And, you know, not a a ton of these runs. It's not like Kentucky was just gashing them, but at times they came with a big play. They were just consistent with it and it, It just paid Mm -hmm. off. I mean, they scored 22 in the second quarter, and it was basically like, all right, that's all we need. And that's all they did need. I mean, they had this one wrapped up. And, uh, man, I do not know where Missouri goes from here. This was the year, and now it's kind of becoming just – This is it. it. It's just such a tough spot here. And next two for Missouri, Georgia on the road, Florida at home. I mean, there's an outstanding chance that Missouri is going to be in a four-game losing streak here in a hurry – Man, it's, it just seems like now we're basically at a lost season for the Tigers. Oh, yeah. What they call him? Bounce back Odom? You know? Is that his nickname? Because, oh, yeah, you know. <laughs> he, he forgot to bounce this week. I give him that. He did. Oh, man. I, I mean, you gotta you got to be upset if you're a Missouri fan because, like you said, this was the year, man. I mean, uh, you and I were pumping them up, you know, not as high as some of these guys. Some of them had already crowned in the East, you know what I'm saying? And it's just, man, it just gets worse and worse every week. I don't think there's a more defeated team uh, in the SEC right now than these cats. I don't know how did they bounce back because they haven't shown us that they, they have the ability to do that. Um, now, Kentucky, I mean, Kentucky's been dealt some rough cards, but that, like you said, they, they keep finding ways to win. And, and a lot of that has to do with Lynn. I mean, say what you want. The guys get, he is their offense every single week. And, um, uh, I also thought it was pretty cool. I want to talk just a little briefly about the special teams mm-hmm. because Kentucky has the most unique special team <laughs> situation I've ever seen. Did you see the fake punt that they did? <laughs> yeah. This was awesome. Okay, they got an Aussie-style kicker. So, I'm, I'm sorry I don't know his name. but Max, Max know, Duffy is his name. Oh, of course it is. So, Max Duffy, you know, his kicking style is he, he runs, you know, 10, 15 yards to the side or five yards to the side, and, and then he kicks the ball. And by that time, I mean, it's, it's such an ugly-looking kick, but when it gets down there, Kentucky's already all over it and stuff, you know. So it, it works out. But there must be, like, some some drawn-up deal, like, okay, if I'm doing this little run and nobody's in front of me, I can run, you know. So it wasn't a designed run, but you could see Duffy's trying to get a good kickoff. And then all of a sudden he looks up, and it's like, you know what? I got 30 yards I can run here. <laughs> so he just takes off. So. It was fantastic. I, I wish I wish more teams would do that because that was that was awesome. Another thing about the special teams was uh, is his name Poor Chance or Chance Poor? <laughs> Chance Poor. <laughs> you know they finally 
they've they've really struggled in the field goal department and uh in fact they missed two what two extra points i think to start the mm-hmm. game and a chance comes in there gets a couple big kicks so uh kudos to them finding a little little love in the specials you know we don't talk a lot of special teams but uh it was just it was a unique game and uh, i really did enjoy it. it was almost like a high school game i, I swear it's like <laughs> i was watching high school ball so uh it was just it was good yeah I, again unless you're a missouri fan then you hated it Let's kick it over to Mark Stoop, Shane, after this one, talking about Lim Bowden. And, hell, the way this kid's playing, it sounds like they're just going to leave him at quarterback the rest of the year. they got nothing to lose. He's clearly their best option at this point. We saw Sawyer Smith came in briefly for this game, and uh, they just, just decided to stick with Lynn, and I, obviously it paid off for him. Victory. Mark, are you at the point where, regardless of what Sawyer's health is after the bye, Lynn's just your quarterback now? Well, I think you all uh, can see what's going on out there. It's pretty hard to take them out, you know. So I don't know. You know, I, I don't. I don't think. You know, guys, we play in defensive coordinators are stupid. You know, so they're pretty bright in this league. And uh, you know, next up is uh, Tennessee with Derek Hensley and you know Derek. You know, so these guys know what's going on. But you know, we'll see. Uh, Sawyer is getting better, and it's nice to be able to have the option to go to both guys. Once again tonight, the conditions made it extremely tough to get him out of there tonight. As you can tell, uh, you know, that's like playing with 12 at times. And and even, you know, though they were they were loading up and playing zero, uh, he still was able to hit some big runs. And again, um, our coaches really did a good job. They've had a lot of stress on him, obviously. And uh, they've worked exceptionally hard and very proud of him. Mark, just in terms of toughness, how impressive and how hard is what Lynn's doing? I've got to believe he's got to just be in regards to toughness, um, you know, and uh, I said this a year ago with Josh Allen when I said early, just just show me somebody that's better defensively nationwide. And sure enough, lo and behold, he ended up winning all the national awards, right? You know, defensive player of the year, you know, consensus. And I said that early, but I'd say the same thing about Lynn. There's a lot of tough, you know, players out there nationally. Um, you know, but but I'd like to see one that's tougher than him. You know, he, he is tough as nails and gritty, and it is hard for him. It's hard emotionally. People don't do not fully understand what goes into that and what he has to do, and the way he directs things and and understands the offense. They, there is so many moving parts. Um, you know, it's hard uh, for for people to totally understand and appreciate what he's doing. Uh, because it's hard and, and emotionally, uh, you know, mentally and physically beat you up. So I think that's the key with him throughout the week is, uh, you know, keeping him level-headed and where he doesn't get the frustration because there's a lot on him. And, and physically he's getting beaten up and then mentally there's a lot on him. All right, Shane, so it looks like Lynn Bowden is going to be the guy from here on out. And we talk about Tennessee potentially winning out, but this is their next opponent. And Kentucky's going to have two weeks to prepare. It's going to be in Lexington. How dangerous. We all know Tennessee's history with mobile quarterbacks. (laughs) How scared of you are you facing this Lim Bowden rushing attack? Honestly, this is the thing. Do you got got Kentucky's schedule? Yes, sir. So like like I said, they're on a bye next weekend. Mm -hmm. They get Tennessee at home. They travel to Vanderbilt. Then they get UT Martin at home, and then they have Louisville at home. So, I mean, there's an outstanding okay. chance they can run the table as well. I'm not seeing 
you know, I'm not saying they're just going to go gangbusters here, but that all those games could be close. The thing is, I I love Coach Stoops. I I think he, I mean, he's he's sneaky man. He's a sneaky bastard, <laughs> and <clears throat> it would not surprise me if we've been preparing this whole time for Lynn. And then we get a big dose of Smith, you know, something that just catch the team. Does he save it for Tennessee? You know, I reading those, the rest of those teams, I can't imagine he's going to be saving it for, you know, Louisville or, uh, you know, UT Martin or anybody or anything like that, or whoever else they play uh, Vanderbilt. But I, I do see them doing something to catch Tennessee off guard. And is that come out with Smith here this whole time we've been preparing for Lynn and then we don't, (laughs) here they are four wide and just flinging it all over the place. You know, it wouldn't surprise me if that's the route he went, but then on the other side, there has been a lot of production with Lynn at quarterback. So do you keep that? I just, I don't know what he's going to do. These guys, I I can't, I, I, I really don't. I'm, Dumbfounded. They got two weeks for, to prepare for Tennessee, and I have no idea what kind of offense they're going to run. All right, Shane, let's kick it over to the SEC West, where Texas A&M comes away with a big win against Mississippi State, forty-nine to thirty. Made us both look like a couple of dumbasses <laughs> here. We picked Mississippi State in the upset for some damn reason, but uh, this is. Uh, I thought this was the most complete game that Texas A&M had played this season. I mean, they scored 14, 14, 14, and 7. That was the quarter-by-quarter breakdown. They kind of took their foot off the gas there at the end, made Mississippi State look really rough at times in this one. Uh, it seems like the ground game's going. They're finally getting something going with Isaiah Spiller. He was big. Uh, these receivers are really starting to show out again. Uh, Kellen Bond, I mean, this was a this was a hell of a game. 234 yards passing on 17 of 23 passing, three touchdowns, no interceptions. I think, uh, and don't forget that, you know, one of the biggest breakout performers of the season, in my mind to this point, Shane, uh, the tight end, Weidemeyer, the true freshman, with Texas A&M losing Jay Sternberger, and then uh, they had uh, Baylor Cup, the number one high school tight end. When he went down, you know, we thought that was disaster. This Jimbo Fisher offense just doesn't seem to work without a tight end. And now they got one in Weidemeyer. I mean, Jalen Weidemeyer looks like uh, he may be the best freshman tight end in the entire SEC, if not the nation. Uh, thoughts on the Aggie shade? It looks like and remember, this team only has, I believe, three seniors that play, and one of them's a punter, Shane. So this is a very young team that once again, just like last year, kind of went on a big winning streak there to finish. Seems like they're potentially poised to do the same thing. If I'm a Texas A&M fan, I'm pretty fired up about uh, the direction of the rest of the season. Yeah, I, I, I am too. And this was, you know, this started off a really ugly game. Uh, both teams. I, I don't think anybody looked really good the first few quarters here, but A&M really took off with it. Mississippi State, the, the thing, I, I kind of feel bad for, man. I mean, you can almost feel just how thin they are. Uh, they're really having trouble later in the game, mm-hmm. keeping up with the game speed. They just they don't have the depth right now. There was several times they were talking about, you know, 
freshmen playing cornerback, you know, both of them. So, yeah, I mean, it's tough to compete in the SEC when you're that thin. And Mississippi State, there was moments, there was like little flashes, you know, Colin Hill, when he would get a, a, a great run or he was able to move the ball, it, it felt like the offense opened up a little bit. Schrader was able to get some passes out. But as soon as Hill was not able to get yards or as soon as the bearded trader wasn't able to scramble on a, on a series or two, mm-hmm. it, it just felt like it was three and out, you know, and they're punting the ball and Texas Stadium's got another opportunity. So it just – I don't know. It just felt like this offense hinged a little too much on the running game, and they just weren't able to do it. I thought we would see some more, um, you know, more scripted running plays from the quarterback, and and I didn't get that. the The best run he had got called back because of a penalty. So mm-hmm. it was it was a, a ugly game for Mississippi State. Yeah, Shane. If I was to tell you the bearded Schrader was going to throw for three touchdowns, Kylan Hill's going to rush for one fifty and another touchdown. I mean, I think we'd be feeling pretty good about that upset special. Mm-hmm. But that's just how good Texas A&M played on Saturday. Very explosive. Uh, they kind of played like a bend-but-don't-break defense. And a lot of Mississippi State scoring came when this game was well in hand. I mean, Mississippi yeah. State only scored 10 points in the first quarter, and it was – I mean, the writing was on the wall in this one. Uh, let's kick it over to Jimbo Fisher, Shane. On his team – you know, this is something that Fisher's been hitting on all season, and I think it was easy to dismiss it because a lot of people see it as coach speak. But behind the scenes, he's saying this team's getting better. We're seeing it. You see the signs. It's not the you know the end result that we're looking for, but uh, each week we can see individuals getting better and better, and now we're starting to see that come together as an overall team uh, on so many explosive plays for the Aggies on Saturday. And then uh, finally on that uh, tight end, I mentioned Jalen Weidemeyer, Shane. Um, I'm starting to really think uh, this is one of the keys to Texas A&M's future. Jimbo, a couple things. First of all, uh, do you consider that a complete game? And then secondly, was there anything uh, that that you've been seeing that – uh, you could have anticipated that y'all were going to have this kind of offensive show. Well, I've seen us do it in spurts, and, and no, but to do it that consistently, to answer your question, no. I mean, I think, but I've seen a lot of little things that I see we're getting better at that a lot of folks, you can't see because you don't, you're not in practice every day. You know, you're not in the little, you get to watch the film and rewind it back 38 times like we do and see. There's been a lot of things we're growing at that I always say that and people say, well, I ain't seeing the results. But as a coach, you know they're getting better. And it, it is eventually starting to come together. The one thing I was disappointed in, I, and, and I'm, I'm very disappointed, we're going to address this, I was not happy with the, with the personal fouls at the end of the game and, or in the middle when we had that drive down there too. They, you've got to play smarter. I don't care. The guy hits your quarterback. Well, that, that's, that, I love it. I love, I love having friends like that. But right there, we're trying to win a game. We don't need to, we don't need to do that. And we've got to get that cleaned up. We had a couple personal fouls there that I don't, that I don't tolerate and we won't, we won't have, and I don't like the way that, that came about. But other than that, but, you know, there's a lot of things we're getting better at. And the little things, hopefully we can continue and just keep sawing wood, keep chopping, and hopefully have a good, pretty good football team when it's all over with. Coach, what about the explosive plays? You kind of alluded to it, but just how big was that? Wiedermeyer, yards after catch. Uh, Kendrick, yards after catch. Jamon Osmond, corner out, touchdown. Just kind of got some explosive plays today. Let me tell you something. If you don't get explosive plays, it's hard to score points. You can move the ball, but you don't score points. I say this all the time. Turnovers and explosive plays are as big a factor in winning and losing games now as it's ever been because of the way the game's played, the openness to which the game is played. When you can create the, you know, those big plays which create points, and you, know, you don't have to have those 12-play drives that you execute perfectly. 
I'm, I'm better. I like those two-play drives. They make a guy miss and run over somebody and, and then go score. You know what I'm saying? But you got to have them. And, guy, we had them today, and that, that, that's why you saw the point total go up. You talked a little bit about Jalen, the way he's grown over this season. But just in terms of what he means for your offense and what he means for what you're trying to do with his offense as a program, how important is that position as a whole? Oh, it's huge because it allows you the body. To, when you have a skill guy that can get vertical and score touchdowns but can also sit there and block a 290-pound end, and pass pro or run block and do things, it puts people all right, or, and then how they got to play them on defense. Am I going to put big guys in when we want to run the football, or they got to put skill guys in when we want to throw it? And you can pick and, you know, when they put little guys, you can run it. When, you're, when they put big guys in, you can take advantage of it. Look in the NFL. We talk about Rasay all that, and them receivers are, you got to have dynamic. But the biggest mismatch guys, the great teams in the NFL, all have dynamic tight ends. I mean, the, the Patriots and all those things, Kelsey and all those guys, the guys in Philadelphia, I mean, all those guys that have the guys that can block, run, and that body type. Man, that, that makes it fun and, and it creates matchup problems. All right, Shane. Jimbo, he's talking fast when he's feeling good. He was feeling <laughs> good here on Saturday. <laughs> Obviously, AM did not go the way they wanted. And remember, there's people out there saying they should sit half their damn team for 2020. <laughs> now they do have a tough couple games here coming up, Shane. UTSA, that should be a that should be a layup. Then they'll have two weeks to prepare for South Carolina. Then they close, Shane, at Georgia, at LSU. If they somehow manage, you know, they continue to improve and they beat one or possibly, God forbid, two of those teams, I think I'm pretty fired up if I'm an Aggie. I think we had a hell of a year. Absolutely, man. I think there's a lot of good things you can hang your hat on. I mean, look who who they've lost to. I mean, you're talking Clemson, Alabama. Auburn, you know, mm-hmm. all three of these are top 10, well, top 11 teams right now, you know. I, yes, the anybody in the SEC could have lost to all three of those easily. And, you know, but you are winning the games you're supposed to win. Um, I think they'd love to have that Auburn one back right now. Um, but this 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 wasn't even a ball game, man. I mean, the box score looks deceiving, but you know it was fourth quarter and this thing's forty two seventeen. You know this this game was out of hand. Uh, Tamu came in, did what they were supposed to. The defense looked fantastic. The uh, Mon looked good. The the running backs looked good. Keep building on that, and they'll be fine, man. They've got some winnable games on the schedule, but they've also got some. They got some doozies coming up, but they could really make some noise. Could you imagine if they beat Georgia or if they beat LSU? I mean, this is a team that is going to be ranked, I think, when they play Georgia again. Mm-hmm. Now let's kick it over to the other side, Shane. Mississippi State head coach Joe Moorhead after this one on his team's effort in this game, which I don't think the effort was really lacking, but I don't know. Maybe they just don't have the team that they had last year obviously and then on his message to the team after the game let's kick it over to Joe Mo. last week uh, we talked about energy and effort did you feel like you had the same kind of energy and effort from your team today that you had last Saturday you know I think we did I think we played hard I don't think we looked lethargic at all you know I thought the kids came out of the locker room excited I thought we competed you know there's a difference between you know effort and execution and I thought the effort was there I thought the kids played hard uh, but you're going to look back, and it's a game of precision, not a game of effort. you got to have that. you got to expect that. And I think we've done a good job outside of one game this year. But it, it wasn't clean enough in any any phase you know, for us to, to earn a right to win that game. Four straight losses now. But what was your kind of your message to the team in the locker room afterwards? Yeah, I mean, you know, that, that, you know this isn't where we want to be, and this isn't what we're about. And, uh, you know, we just got to keep plugging away. And, and really the message was, 
you know, consistency of habits and consistency of effort leading to consistency of performance and results on and off the field. And we, we embrace the fact that as a football program and as a team that all the things that we do off the field, how we prepare during the week, and then what we do on Saturday have a correlation that we're going to continue to improve. And, uh, you know, we'll look at the film tomorrow, we'll make the corrections, and we got to move on to next week. So uh, I think the leadership has done a good job keeping the team together. I think the kids see that we're fighting, we're scratching and clawing every, every single game. Uh, you know, and you know they're they're part mad and, and they're part you know I say hopeful because you know they see the things that we do. We just we got to do them on a more consistent basis. All right, Shane. So this is another one where Mississippi State, God, they're playing Arkansas next week. We'll get to the line in just a minute, but you know we we've been firmly firmly in Coach Moorhead's favor, but uh, quickly all of a sudden this and it's on the road too in Fayetteville. I mean, who would have thought an Arkansas game's a must-win for Mississippi State? But that's what it is, isn't it? Oh yeah, without a doubt. What did, what's their schedule look like? Uh, so they play Arkansas next week. Then mm-hmm. they got a bye, and then they they host Alabama. But at least at least they're getting them after the LSU game, and then they get Abilene Christian, and then they host Ole Miss. So there's, I mean, there's some real possibility they finish with some wins there, but. Uh, they're gonna need. Yeah, they're gonna they, need three of those to go to a bowl game. Yeah, I mean, that's that's it, man. It's gonna come down. Oh, I mean, this man, this is gonna come down the Egg Bowl. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know, that's gonna be that's gonna be fantastic. I, I don't. I think Arkansas. Man, sorry, that's a. Have we even talked about Alabama or Arkansas? Yet? That, that's mean, next up. Ark. Oh boy, they've they've got a uphill battle. So I I think I think Mississippi State's going to make a bowl or at least come close. I it's I think it's all going to come down to the Ole Miss game. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, but you can't get caught looking ahead. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You just, as soon as you do that, you give Morris his first victory in the SEC. All right, Shane. Before we jump off, just want to last time apologize to Aggie Nation, the twelfth man. I don't know about you, Shane, but I had a. A ton of these people, they were very polite, but uh, a lot of they a are. lot of a lot of them called me idiots, but in a very polite way. Sorry to pick against your Aggies, I w- will not make that mistake again. <laughs> they're they're like the opposite of Florida, aren't they? <laughs> it's just they're so nice. I really had one of our guys. He you know he sent me a message saying you know uh, just like thanking me for making them the lock of my week, you know? So I did ask if he could send me $100 because the funds are getting a little low. All right, Shane, final game on the docket here. Alabama just took out the whooping stick to Arkansas, 48-7. to Mac Jones to a who is what uh, Mac Jones said. I mean, Mac Jones, 235 yards passing, 18 of 22 Three touchdowns, no interceptions. Uh, the opposite there for Nick Starkle, 5 of 19, 58 yards, three interceptions. Whew. Man, this was an ugly one. I mean, this was over before it starts. 17 points in the first quarter for Alabama, 24 in the second. Saban called off them dogs. He he don't have room for another analyst, Shane. Otherwise, they would have put up 100 on Chad Morris and company. Uh, he, he does not got room for Chad Morris on his staff at this time. They had to kind of call off the dogs here. But, uh, hell, Shane, I mean, Alabama just oh. – uh, give give them credit. They didn't look ahead to LSU. They uh, they took care of business and, and did what they – did whatever the hell they wanted to the Razorbacks. They did, man. And it seemed like every time I turned over here, those receivers were putting on some damn highlight reel, you know, just starting on one side of the field, going to the other. I think every – 
every time they touched the ball, they had 80 yards receiving, even though it only got netted 30. You know, they were just all over the place. And I felt bad for it, man. This didn't go as I had planned. <laughs> I thought that this would be a more conservative called ball game. And it, it kind of was. I mean, if you really think about it, I, I think, you know, Nick was really trying to establish the run. But Arkansas just gave way too much up in the passing. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And once again, Shane, I do not know what in the hill Arkansas staff doing here. But the guy they started, Nick Starkle, like I said, 5 of 19, 58 yards passing, three interceptions, no touchdowns. Then the backup comes in, John Stephen Jones, Jerry's grandson, 6 of 7, 49 yards and a touchdown. It's almost like the guy they coach up ain't worth a shit. And then the backup is uh, the answer. (laughs) I mean... (laughs) everybody's joking about it online, you know. They're trying to figure out who's going to be the backup that comes in and actually scores a touchdown. You know what I'm saying? But here we are. They're not going to make a bowl game, okay? They got, what, four games left? Mm -hmm. They got to win out. They got to win out to make a bowl game, Shane. And they got LSU, uh, Mississippi State. They do got Western Kentucky and Ty Story. That's the... That's the game I'm circling, Shane. Chad Morris has got to beat Western Kentucky. If not, Ty Story comes in there and beats Arkansas. They might as well give him his uh, pink slip right then and there. So who are we starting next week, Mike? We talk Jerry Jones' boy, grandson, or we, we finally going to cut K.J. loose? Or, I mean, what are we doing here? What are we doing in Arkansas? We'll probably go back to Ben Hicks because he didn't play this week. So <laughs> we gotta, we gotta, it's just musical chairs down there. They don't know what the hell they're doing. Oh, man, that's awesome. After this one, Shane, Nick Saban. Brought out his favorite comment here, the old rat poison. You know, this was a game that, you know, if we'd take any rat poison, we, we wouldn't have been focused on this game at all based on everybody else in the community and the media and, you know, the fans and the questions I get asked on a radio show. And, you know, Nick at noon, I mean, I get asked about the next game when we had this game. And I was really pleased with the way our players stayed focused on what they had to do in this game so that we could improve as a team. I'm sure there's things that we will see in the film that we could do better, um, but I think our guys competed hard in the game, they played hard in the game, um, and you know took care of business the way we wanted to. All right, Shane, Nick Saban not buying into that damn rat poison <laughs> once again. I guess uh, for anyone not familiar with that term, you know, just basically saying, don't buy the hype, don't read your press clips. This team certainly didn't do that. And uh, the damn angriest man in the world is, he didn't have a smile on his face, but uh, he got to yell at some people. So he was feeling good here. Oh, they read their press clippings, Mike. This is just Arkansas, you know? <laughs> it's like they weren't, they weren't overlooking. They just saw an opportunity to produce a highlight reel, and that's exactly what they did. Uh, the quarterback, I guarantee Mac. You know, he, he he had butterflies all week. He was thinking about this team. You know, this was his first opportunity to lead Alabama Crimson Tide to a victory. And and I tell you, man, he looked good. He looked real good out there. He looked a lot better than he did last week against Tennessee. All right, Shane, it's getting late here, so let's do this quickly. Let's jump to the Week 10 opening lines and let's start with the two non-conference games, Shane. Uh, UTSA, Texas San Antonio, at Texas A&M. I thought A&M would be favored by 19. What did you think the line would be? 
I thought A&M would be favored by 28 and a half. Well, Shane, buddy, you got this one. You're heating up once again. <clears throat> a- the Aggies open up as a 36-and-a-half-point <laughs> favorite. Golly. Uh, I mean, everybody's buying into Jimbo now. <laughs> <laughs> UAB at Tennessee, Shane. I guess Tennessee an eight-point favorite. I, I got a lot of respect here for UAB. What would you say? I said 150 at first, but then I changed it to 24. (laughs) Well, I got this one, Shane, because uh, the Tennessee opened up as a 13-point favorite. Like I said, I knew knew Vegas would have some respect there for UAB, but uh, you got to like your your Vols there, favored by less than two touchdowns at home against UAB. Yeah, these guys are on fire right now. Mississippi State, Shane, at Arkansas. I thought Mississippi State would be favored by three. What did you say? I said Mississippi State by seven and a half. Ooh, you almost nailed this one right on, Shane. Mississippi State opens as a touchdown favorite on the road at Arkansas. Joe Mo, only one road SEC win. Looking for a second. Uh, mm. I mean, he better get it is all I got to say. <laughs> Ole Miss at Auburn. I thought Auburn would be a 14-point favorite. How about you? I had Auburn at a 9-point favorite. Ooh, I got this one, Shane. It opens up as 16-point favorite in in favor mm. of Auburn. That might be one of uh, the ones I bet on, considering Ole Miss got two weeks to prepare for this one. Mm-hmm. Vanderbilt at South Carolina, Shane. I thought the Gamecocks favorite would be favored by 13-and-a-half. What about you? I said South Carolina by 11. Ooh, I got this one, Shane. 16-point favorite, South Carolina. Mm. Of course, we see Vanderbilt uh, We see Vanderbilt favored by 17 and not even score that many. We've seen Vanderbilt be underdog <laughs> by about that much and win the damn game. So I have huh. no idea. This, is, this one's probably going to be a stay away from me. Yes. All right, Shane, game of the week here in Jacksonville, world's largest outdoor cocktail party. We'll be talking about this one all week. Fired up game of the week, Georgia versus Florida. I thought Georgia would be a two-point favorite. What about you? I said four and a half. Ooh, you win this one, Shane. That means we we tie for the week. We both got three. Uh, Georgia opens set six and a half point favorite. Mm. That's pretty surprising. There, nearly a touchdown for the Bulldogs. The way the the Gators have been playing, the way the Bulldogs been playing. Based on that early spread, where where are you thinking, Shane? I mean, what are you, what's your thoughts on that mm-hmm. line, I guess? I, I think it should be closer, Mike. Mm-hmm. I do, because Florida is similar, that defense, to uh, South Carolina, mm-hmm. except I think the quarterback is uh, is pretty good. It's something we've been talking about for a long time, even though the guys hate you, Florida guys hate you. I just think Trask is uh, he's he's an X factor down there, and, you know, he's not going to let this one get away from him. So this one, this should, I think, should almost be closer to a pick right now. And I think it's more to do with the the trajectory of Georgia than it is, uh, you know, the talent of Georgia. Yeah, I mean, this is going to be fascinating because this is basically 300 days we've been having these damn fan bases go at each other. Oh, boy, they hate each other, Mike. Florida, they hate Dan Mullen, and Gator Nation on Twitter, they, they talk a big game. They're excited, whereas Kirby Smart and his crew, quiet, reserved. They know they know <laughs> they got Florida's number on the field the last couple of years. Now I give it to the Bulldogs on Twitter. They're they're just as damn loud and happy as Florida. 
<laughs> on Twitter, that is. So uh, somebody's going to be eating some crow here in a couple days. I can't wait for this game. Uh, this could be the best game of the entire year in the SEC. I know we keep saying that each week, week, week in and week out, but these these big games keep coming up, Shane. This is this is why we do it, man. We, this is a game I'm fired up for. I think we see a fight this week, Mike. I just, <laughs> just one? I think, I think the bench is being cleared at some point during this game, man. So this is going to be an awesome one. All right, Shane. I think that's going to do it for this edition of the podcast, a Monday podcast full of reactions. And remember to get your five-star rating and reviews in. We'll send you a koozie of your choice. Hit us up on that SEC podcast at gmail.com, and we'll be happy to connect with you there. Anything before we hop off here, Shane? No. Uh, we did get a couple mailbag questions, too, so we will get to those later in the week. Just We've got a lot of stuff to get into. As you know, it's a big week. we got even a bigger week this coming up week, so... Uh, I'm just excited, man. I love football at this moment, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Shane. Thanks for joining me. As always, thank you, everyone, for tuning in. We'll catch you on the next one. All right. See you guys. Go Vols. <laughs>